along with losing weight, getting more done, simplifying your life, and other commendable goals, is reading through the Bible one of your resolutions for the coming year? If so, I'd like to share a way for you to do it that will change your life more significantly than any diet will. Hi, I'm Yvonne Pran, and welcome to Bible 805. Now today we're going to talk about the benefits of reading, or by the way, listening to, the Bible in chronological order. What that means is that you read the books, or in some cases parts of the books, in the order that they happened, not the order that you find them in the Bible. Now don't worry about figuring that order out. I've got some schedules for you to download, and I'll be doing podcasts the entire next year to guide you through it. But for now, since reading the Bible in chronological order is a somewhat daunting task, it's worth asking, why do it? And to answer, I want you to first ask yourself why read anything, watch any movie, learn any information in a certain order. Well, obviously, the answers are very clear. With the exception of the use of flashbacks or other literary devices, we need to read and experience events and character development. We don't want to just jump around and go here and there and get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Also, too, in a nonfiction book, we need to know the premise, the background, the arguments for whatever recommendations that are going to follow to make sense. Now, to illustrate the truth of that, let me, let me give you a few examples. First of all, what sense would it make if you knew nothing about the three things I'm going to tell you about and you, number one, jumped into the middle of a Harry Potter story filled with Muggles, Quidditch, Dumbledore, and Hogwarts? You wouldn't have any idea what was going on. Or, if you'd never seen it before, you started watching The Wizard of Oz in the middle of the movie and you see a young woman, a lion, a scarecrow, and a tin man marching down a yellow brick road. You would think, what in the world is that about? Or, very popular today, you open a book on the paleo diet and you find these terms paleo, primal, autoimmune, autoimmune protocols, leaky guts, and ketogenic. Now, all of the above are just nothing more than a confusing list of characters and terms if you don't read the whole book from start to finish or watch the movie from start to finish. But they make perfectly good sense if you do that. Sadly, that's the way most people approach the Bible. So if you didn't, for example, grow up in the church and grow up listening to all kinds of Bible stories and you hear about Shem or Jeroboam or Barnabas or about the atonement or sanctification or justification, you would have no idea what's being talked about. And sadly, many people even in the church today, they don't really, the Bible just doesn't really make sense to them. We wouldn't claim to know the least little bit about Harry Potter or the Wizard of Oz or the Paleo Diet if we only dipped into a few pages or a few minutes of the movie here or there, even if we had favorite passages that we went back to again and again. If we did that, we couldn't honestly say we understood the world of Harry Potter or how a paleo diet works. We wouldn't have that lazy attitude of reading on any other topic. So the question is, why is it so many Christians say, well, I've read the Bible, when, number one, they've never read it all the way through, and they've never read it in chronological order? Though all Christians should read their Bible, and many do, it's easy for all of us to go back to the books and the passages 
with which we are most familiar. But even if you really, really love Psalms and Proverbs, and maybe you've read the Gospel of John several times, or you read a verse a day from your favorite devotional book, that doesn't mean you're reading the Bible. Now, first of all, I don't want to I don't want to beat up on people because it really isn't your fault that you've never read the Bible in chronological order because the order in which our Bibles are organized today makes it extremely difficult to do that. In fact, if you just read through it cover to cover, you won't get any sense of that. Most Bibles, in fact, unless it's some special one that was organized chronologically, The books of the Bible are grouped by type or genre, as it's sometimes called. In the Old Testament, you have history, poetry, and then prophecy. In the New Testament, it's exactly the same, history, letters, and prophecy. And each of these groupings have absolutely nothing to do with the proper chronological historical order. I decided to research why it's like this. Why is our Bible put together this way? Now, some people would say, well, we organize the New Testament like this because the New Testament writers referred to the Old Testament as the law and the prophets. They were obviously grouping it like that. Well, that might be part of the reason. But historically, this is what I found out. When the Old Testament was translated into Greek several hundred years before the time of Christ, it was a version known as the Septuagint. And the Septuagint was put together in these genre categories of law, history, poetry, and prophets. Now, again, the New Testament is based on the same subject or genre categories. First come the historical books, the Gospels and Acts, then come the epistles, first those from Paul, then by others, and finally the prophetic part, the prophetic book, Revelation, comes at the end. Now, the human being who was responsible for this particular order that we have our Bibles in today was a man named Jerome, and he was a Catholic monk who translated what was called the Latin Vulgate, which was based on the Septuagint, which was organized this way, and he did his work from around 390 to 405 AD. Now that sounds all very uh, highfalutin or whatever and scholarly when we say he translated it into the Latin Vulgate, but the Latin Vulgate actually was not done as a scholarly translation. Most people at the time spoke Latin. They didn't speak Greek anymore. Rome had conquered the world. Rome was the one in charge. So most everybody spoke Latin. And so what he was doing, he was was translating it from the scholarly Greek and Hebrew into the popular language. The term Vulgate in Latin means common. So basically what he was doing is he was writing a translation for the common people because, again, at the time, most of the people spoke. Latin. Now, when I tried to find out back again why Jerome did that, the only reason I could get is that the reason that he did it was because that's what the Septuagint did it. And I really have no idea why they did it that way in the Septuagint. Now, the The thing is, I think that when a lot of this was done also, the scribes, the later editors of the translations, 
probably Jerome also, he was so familiar with the contents of the Bible as a whole that he knew, well, obviously the book of Isaiah fits into this part of Kings and Hosea is before the fall of Israel to the Assyrians. And he knew all those things. So it didn't matter if he grouped them by subject category. Sadly, that isn't really true of our church today. Many of us may love Jesus, our church, our Christian friends. We may love the Bible, but most people don't have any idea who Amos is or what he was preaching about or the setting of how, and this is one of the most fascinating prophecies in the Old Testament, how Cyrus fulfilled a prophecy that Isaiah spoke about him 150 years before he was born. We can't even appreciate how many prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the life of Jesus if we haven't really read all of the Old Testament. Also, the significance of Jesus' death on the cross. If we don't know the Old Testament rituals and the sacrificial system that Paul refers to again and again as he's explaining these things, we really miss out on understanding. We don't understand oftentimes the parts, the promises, and the problems of individual passages because we don't understand the big picture. Now, I want to share with you six benefits of either reading or listening to the Bible in chronological order. But before I get to that, I do want to clarify. I keep saying reading or listening to, reading or listening to. And let me clarify that because this is really important. A lot of people today don't like to sit down and read, but they will listen to podcasts. You're listening to this podcast. They like to listen to things while they're maybe driving or walking or working out. And you can listen to your Bible. You can listen to it in the chronological order. That's a very easy thing to do. Just go to the passage that is on the schedule and listen to it. And this is not a a secondary or less important or less serious way to take in the Bible. Remember, throughout most of history, most of the history of God's people, few people had access to printed Bibles of their own. Through the centuries of the Old Testament, through New Testament times, and most of human history until very very recently, the way people took in God's word was by listening to it. So if that's the way you would prefer to do it, please do. And for those of you that have primarily read it over the last number of years, I would challenge you to listen to either part or all of it. I'm going to try and and be doing that a lot more myself this year. And I know the times that I've done that when I've listened to the Bible, it adds a whole different level of understanding to it. So either read or listen. Now, let me give you six benefits of reading or listening to the Bible in chronological order. Number one, we'll understand the whole story of salvation as it unfolds. You see, for many of us, we only have bits and pieces of the story. We know that there were sacrifices in the Old Testament, and then it gets all fuzzy, and then Jesus comes along. And But we don't really see the whole plan as it unfolds, how God worked out things in extraordinary detail. And I want you to see how the entire Bible builds towards the coming of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and his promised return. We know that it does that, but to actually see that in detail in the prophets, in the history, in the ceremonies, in the writing is really exciting. Reason number two, 
we see how God is truly the author of the entire Bible. The Bible was written over 1600 years of time, had over 40 human authors, and yet when you read the whole thing, you will very clearly hear the one voice that is under and over and surrounds all the other voices, and you'll hear one clear theme of God seeking, saving, and restoring his lost people. Number three, it will help you understand the uniqueness of the Christian Bible. I have a whole podcast on this, and and you can go back and listen to it, but no other religion has scriptures written over a similar time period that are as internally consistent as the Christian Bible is. Also, there are no other scriptures that have historically verifiable prophecies that were fulfilled in verifiable historical settings as is in the Christian Bible. Please do go back and listen to my series on truth and history. And it's an eight-part series that goes into great detail on this. But these are very bold statements. And you must read the Bible in chronological order to really see them. And it is so exciting when you do. It will give you a confidence and trust in God's word and in your Christian faith like I can honestly say you've probably never had before. Reason number four, you will grow in your trust and confidence in God. The same God who mercifully clothed Adam and Eve after they sinned and promised them a Savior is the one who formed Israel, guided it, disciplined it, and who from it brought his Son in the world, who lived, died, rose, and formed the church to carry on his message. Now, he will also return to restore all all the things that were broken in the history of the Old Testament. Now, when you see that big picture, and you see the sometimes very difficult lives of the biblical characters that they lived in the midst of it, it can really give you peace and trust to understand your part in the same great story. And in doing that, too, I I trust that it will fill you with hope and the assurance that our glorious ending is coming, that Just the same way that God fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament and the New Testament, all the wonderful things that we're promised when Jesus returns, these two will be fulfilled. Reason number five, we won't be disappointed with God. When we have no idea, uh, and this one's really serious, when we have no idea of the contextual meaning of the passage, we often pull out an encouragement or promise that we like, and we interpret it in a way that makes us feel good. And then when it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen, we get mad at God because we think that he didn't do what he promised that he would do. When in reality, he never promised that in the first place. And this is really, really serious. Now, the book of Job is a very wonderful example of this because, and I just read something recently, just made me crazy. And, you know, um, it, it made me more than ever really want to encourage you to read through the Bible in the proper way. And what, what happened or what's happening is online, there is a, and I'm sure it's very well-meaning, a read through the Bible in the year. But the way they do it is they have you read a section out of the Old Testament and then a section of the poetic books and then a section of the New Testament. Well, in the poetic 
poetic books, they included Job. And so you read Job in little bits and pieces scattered throughout the entire year. That is the worst way to read Job. Don't ever, ever, ever do that. Even if you want to read Old Testament, New Testament, which isn't the best way to do it. But um, even if you do that, don't read Job in bits and pieces. And here is why. The book of Job was written to be read as a whole piece. It is incredibly important that you do that because if you don't, you will get a totally distorted picture of God and how he deals with people. Because what you will get if you just read it in bits and pieces is the arguments of his friends where they are trying to make him feel guilty because they say you obviously sinned and God only punishes people who are sinful and if you didn't sin you would be blessed and all this is happening to you because you're a terrible person. But if you do these things then you can automatically trust that God will bless you. All of that in the last part of the Bible, well, from the first to the last, we know that that isn't why these things happened to Job. God was greatly honoring Job in allowing him to go through these trials because he brought him up as the most righteous man before Satan. And Satan says, oh, really? Well, just do this and see how he acts. Job never knew what was happening. And his friends made totally incorrect conclusions. And there at the end, when Job, by the way, is never given the reasons for his suffering, but he trusts God, one of the things that God says to him is, pray for your friends because I am angry with them, because they did not speak the truth. All of these things that the friends said were wrong. And if you don't read the entire book of Job as a whole, you won't see that and you will make some very incorrect conclusions about God. So that is super, super important. And then the other thing, and I love teaching about Job and it's, it's one of the things we'll do early on, is that when you read the Bible in proper chronological order, you will learn that the book of Job actually took place around the time of Abraham. It is one of the earliest books of the Bible, and that has incredible implications. But for that part of the story, you're going to have to listen to the podcast on where I go through the Bible to hear about it. But, um, but, it, but it's wonderful, so, so please do join us for that. Reason number six, though, we won't skip the hard parts that are essential to the complete story of God's redemption. We tend to go back to favorite passages instead of rereading the entire Bible. And in doing that, we skip the hard parts. Now, these parts are not easy to understand, like Leviticus. That is not an easy book to get through. But if you don't understand it and really understand it, the sacrificial death of Jesus won't make sense. It won't make sense to the depth that you really want to understand it. Or without the difficult challenges of the minor prophets, and they spell things out. We we often quote that verse, um, we should do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Well, they tell us what that means. Or the exclusive claims of Jesus when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Or when he said that no one comes to the Father but by me. And he said we're to take up our cross and follow him. We won't read these hard parts just for fun, but they're very important. It's a little bit like when I was putting this together, I thought about that description of Aslan, who's the Christ figure in C.S. Lewis' book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when Mrs. Beaver surprises the children by saying, they, they're talking about Aslan being on the move, and she says, Aslan is a lion, 
the lion, the great lion, <gasps> said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Reading the whole Bible in chronological order isn't safe. It will shake and transform every part of your life if you will let it. But it's good. So please join me as we go through the Bible in chronological order in the coming year. You can download a copy of the reading schedule on www.bible805.com and I will be doing a podcast at least once a week on it. I may do some extra ones, some extra bonus things, but you can subscribe to that on iTunes or any of the other ways you listen to podcasts. And again, there's a list of them on the Bible805.com website. If you happen to live in Ventura, California, you are welcome to join us for Bible 805 Live. It's going to be on Sunday morning through 2019 at 1030 at the Orchard Community Church Library. And I'll have, again, the information on that on the website. We'll be starting on January 6th. And I'd love to have you join me for that. I will be doing an overview on the, the passages that you've read the week prior to that. And uh, then we'll have discussion and people can ask additional questions. And I think it, it's, it's going to be really beneficial and enjoyable for everyone. If you listen to this podcast a year other than when I'm recording it at the end of 2018, you'll have access to all of the other lessons and I'm not sure exactly what I'll be doing in teaching at that time but you can always email me and ask. Now in closing my most sincere prayer for you and I am praying it very fervently and often is that for all of you for my friends for my relatives for the people I love and all of you that I don't know who I won't see until the kingdom that you will read or listen to the Bible in chronological order in the coming year. Your life will never be the same. Until next time, I'm Yvonne Pren, your fellow pilgrim, writer, and teacher for Jesus, and I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you are loved, from turmoil to peace from wherever you are on your spiritual journey to a growing knowledge of God's Word and in your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.